0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens, and we are brought to you by Jolly Good Soda. Uh, Today, my guest is John Reap. He is a stand-up comedian and an actor. You know him from Last Comic Standing. Uh, He's also the host of the podcast Countryish. For my Milwaukee fans, John's going to be playing at the Improv on June 11th and June 12th. He's a very funny comedian. Make sure you check him out. And our conversation coming up in a second little bit about me right now so i'm in hawaii uh because we had a show here the other night huge thanks to everyone who came out the show was at the bloom note um in honolulu or or waikiki i guess um and it it was sold out and i like if you asked me a year ago uh if if i thought i was ever gonna sell out a show in hawaii i'd be like yeah no uh but No, yeah, we did, and uh, I'm just very grateful to all of you for your support. Uh, I am a lucky duck. Yesterday, though, I wasn't so lucky. Uh, (laughs) Boy, this story is a real humdinger, I tell you that right now. So I met a friend here, and uh, we decided to go snorkeling at Shark's Cove, which uh, is a distance away from where I'm staying. And uh, I borrow my buddy's car who lives here. He lives about an hour and a half away from Sharks Cove. So anyway, me and and my other friend, we get there, and we decide we're gonna snorkel first and then hang out at at the beach after. And of course, we don't wanna leave our stuff on the beach because you know it's Memorial uh, Day, it's very crowded, and we, we, we don't want anything to get stolen. So we lock all the phones. And credit cards and beach beers and towels and, and and whatever stuff we had in the car. We lock everything in the car. And then I've got this waterproof bag. So uh, I put the key to the car in the waterproof bag. And then I make a mental note to strap it to my suit before we start snorkeling. Now, here's the thing about my mental notes. My mind makes these mental notes with uh, sidewalk chalk. And that's a problem if it's raining inside my brain, which it usually is. So, yes, I never uh, strapped that key to my swimming suit. I just left it in my pocket. And uh, I, of course, realized this uh, after it was too late, roughly four minutes into our dive, which is just long enough to see how much cool stuff you could see, but not enough time to actually see the cool stuff. So I I, I feel around for my pocket and... I realize that uh, the key is either sleeping with the fishes or floating its way toward the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. We look for the key, uh, no dice. Now, I don't know the last time any of you have been without your phone or your wallet or your beach beers, wearing nothing but a swimming suit and flippers. But it's not the scenario you want to be in. Anyway, this story gets a lot longer before it gets shorter. So I'll save the details uh, for my next stand up show. But uh, it all worked out thanks to actually some Midwesterners that we magically bumped into on the beach. And I even saw a sea turtle at the end of the day. I will say this, though. I was away from my phone for 12 hours yesterday because it was, you know, locked in my car. And uh, honestly, best 12 hours I've had in a long, long time. Something to think about. So there you go, sometimes, I guess you don't get what you planned for, but you get what you need. Sounds like a Rolling Stone song. All right, enough chit chat, Chuck. It is time now for my conversation with John Reap. Your journey kind of has some parallels uh, to mine, you know, and one of them obviously is you spent a good amount of time in LA. When was it that you decided to kind of do what for a long time was not the intuitive thing and like leave one of the coasts and continue to pursue comedy? And was that like terrifying?
1: V- terrifying, yeah. Well, I started in uh, born and raised North Carolina. I started comedy here at a club called Good Nights in
0: Raleigh. Have you ever been? Oh yeah. I have not been, but I I've, I've I've heard about that club, yes. Yeah, it
1: it was it was great because it's a it was a great room, but it also kind of spoiled you in a weird way because you know, if you have If you're if you're halfway talented, you think, oh my God, I'm gonna be a. uh, This is easy. I can do this anywhere. And then you go outside of that club and realize, holy shit, uh, (laughs) this is hard. But I started at good nights, and then was slowly like, you know, I just was like the house MC. I'd be the feature act. Um, Mm -hmm. I would do little gigs here and there. Um, While I was going to school, I went to school at NC State University, North Carolina State University. I was a theater major, uh, not because I thought I was good at it, but I didn't even I wasn't even even a theater guy in high school. But I took theater because I thought it would be an easy A. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Only because. I'm, I didn't know what to pick as a major, and I got—I yeah. I finally got into the school, which was hard enough on its own. And then I realized I got to pick a major, and I'm looking around. I'm like, "Well, what's easy? What's the easiest thing?" I swear to God, that's how I thought. Like, what is the easiest thing I could do? And I thought, "Well, the athletes are usually pretty dumb. I'll just do what they're doing." <laughs> so and they were doing theater too. Some of them, as like yeah. <laughs> not like well, communication, not 100 percent right, right, right. theater, but there's like all these concentrations that bleed into one. Sort of, uh, you know, mass communication theater type type deal. Yeah. So I started doing that, but then the good nights was right there. I was a class clown in high school. My friends told me I should try comedy, but when you grew, I grew up in Hickory, North Carolina, which is like three hours from Raleigh. Yeah. So before I even moved to Raleigh to go to school, you know, I was the funny guy. My dad was class clown. I was like the class clown. My brother got it after me. And so everyone's like you should be a comedian and i never thought of that as a real job we're talking like you know 1990 88 89 before internet and all this stuff and so i just took it as a compliment not like career advice or anything but then when i moved to raleigh and there was a club right there i was like holy shit, this is a possibility and i thought let me go check it out I went into the comedy club and I realized, oh my God, this is something I want to do. I remember the first time I just cracked the door open. I didn't have any money. The show had already started. I just walked up cold one night and the lady at the ticket booth, I'm like, I don't have a ticket, I got no money. Can I just peek my head in this door and see what it looks like? She's like, yeah, go ahead. And so I just opened the door and I forgot the comedian. I don't know who it was, but it was a lady on stage And she told like one hilarious joke and the whole crowd packed audience laughed and I was just like, what is this? And so I sort of fell in love with it, and I just kept going back. I had no idea what it would turn into. So I started probably 95, 96, like first time on stage, and then didn't move to LA until the year 2000. Okay. That, that was a big, I had slowly featured all over the country doing comedy clubs all over the place. I had no money, I was living off my credit card. You know, you getting paid 50 bucks a show, But here and there, along the way, I would hear about a competition. I would enter. I would hear about a festival I would go to. And through that word of mouth, slowly, I got invited to the Just for Laughs Festival in 99.
0: Yeah, which at the time, that was like a Kingmaker festival, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: I came the year after the comedian named Chicken got the biggest development deal ever. Have you heard of this guy? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. The legend of Chicken. He pretty much ruined the development deal for everybody
0: else. What uh, was the story of that?
1: So this guy, he's no, he's passed away since then, but okay. he was an over-the-top physical guy from Birmingham, Alabama. Young, energetic, goofball, likable. Um, he went to, you know, the New Face in uh, Montreal. He's a New Face and crushed, and everybody wanted him, and. I guess he had a good manager or something, but he got like a half a million dollar development deal with like Fox Network. And he got his own variety show, and then it just tanked. And after that, no one ever got a development deal like that ever since. So I came the year (laughs) after that.
0: Got it. Got it. It was tough. To, I mean, did it tank right away, or was this a many years in the making? Thing? I think it How tanked quickly?
1: like the second or first. Well, probably halfway in the first season, and it wasn't even that bad. The show was called Hype. And okay. they hyped it up, you know, yeah. and then he just couldn't live up to the hype, which was yeah. the name of the fucking show, which is so stupid. <laughs> but it just didn't do well. It wasn't really his fault, but I think they learned their lesson like, all right, let's just pace ourselves with these development deals. Yeah, right. And, and right. so, you know, I obviously didn't get anything like that, but I did well enough in uh, Montreal to, to uh, you know, gain some interest and had some meetings set up um, when I went to L.A. I had a buddy already living in L.A., and so I thought, well, I'll just go crash on his sofa for a while. And
0: that was 2000. I stayed out there 18 years. When you're first getting out there and crashing and, and doing the comedy thing, what, what did that look like for you? What are some of the weirdest things you did in those early uh, days in L.A. to kind of make money and, and make oh, your yeah.
1: way to comedy? Well, so, okay, so I just, when I moved out there, I, I, I didn't have a job. And I knew I had to make rent. And I just got a, commerc- a college agent, um, Joey Edmonds. Oh. I don't know if you've ever heard of, heard of this guy, but he was a good college agent back in the day when you could do colleges. And you, you know what NACA is? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I just got this NACA agent, but I hadn't ha- had any gigs yet. So I had to figure out a way to make money, and I wasn't making any money on the road. But I, I, I crashed on – do you know Jeff Richards?
0: yeah. So we, me and him. Started, I mean, I, not personally, but I, yeah, I know the deal. Yeah. So we started
1: so you, comedy in Raleigh around the same time. So you had uh-huh. like Jeff Richards, me. I mean, uh, Ken Jung was from this area. Uh, yeah. Retta from Parks and Recreation was from this area. I mean, Zach Galifianakis would pop in randomly, maybe once or twice, not not a lot, but I knew Jeff. Look, we were pretty good friends, so I stayed with him for a minute. And then I had to figure out where am I going to go. I knew another comedian named Joby Sad who had a place, and I, I conned him into letting me like stay in his place for a minute. And then I had to get a roommate, and I, I, my first roommate was this guy named Joe Stevens, who was a character actor. Like a, he's from Texas. I never met the guy. I just trusted some other dude, and I just show up, and now this is my roommate, you know. And um, I had to take a job for I want to say one month at a place called Public Storage, the call center. So when you call up Public Storage, uh, it was like a 1-800 number. That was, you might be talking to me. But it took a month of training to learn how to do their system. So they paid you to learn their system. And then right, then, right after that, I got my first college gig with NACA. And I saw, like, all the dates that were going to come in, and I, and I quit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, I was like, thanks for all that t- paid training. I'm bouncing.
0: <laughs> they they got to build that into the business model, though. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, just that's there's on not him. a lot of people doing that for a career. Career, right? You know.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what about you? How long? I mean, how long were you out there?
0: Well, I was out there a number of years. I wasn't even doing comedy when I first went out. I was doing. Uh, I was a production assistant. You know, doing that whole thing. And, uh, and then I got into the news business, but I was like, you know, sleeping in my buddy's closet, sleeping in my right. minivan a little bit here and there, you know. Do yeah, I think that's
1: of, a rite of passage, you know, going out there, so. and figuring it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, tough. Doing, did you um, like the the path of comedy, the path to being like a successful headliner, has changed a lot in your career? Uh, is that a disheartening thing to like get the game that you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh now I got to change the game you know because getting a college agent back then that was like now you got money yeah now you can afford to not do the the call center job and you're on your way a little bit but now it's a different game I
1: think it is it is and I you know I, I still believe, and it's I don't know who came up with this quote, but like, don't hate the player, hate the game. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I yeah. never get mad at these comedians who are getting huge success for doing social media stuff and not the road first. It's not their fault. That's just yeah. what this, that's what, you know, technology, everything has changed. You're right. It's like you learn the system and then it changes. It is um, frustrating a little bit, but over time, I feel like even those guys are going to, they're going to have to do the road, and they'll figure it out. It's just flipping. I think it's just switching the order of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there are some really good comedians that come out of it that way, and there are some ones that just aren't. But, you know, in a long, in a weird way, it's a, it's a fast track to figuring out who's got the goods and who doesn't. Right. Because, yeah. you know— for, for years, a lot of untalented, mediocre guys could have a thriving career and, and no one really know about it because it wasn't out there. Like it's out there. Everything's
0: out there now. Right. Well, that's the other thing. Like you used to be able to do like the same act for a yeah. while as you were, as you were coming up. Cause you, but now you're like, I mean I find this you're burning a joke here or there cuz you got to put it on social media cuz you need a video or something like that or yeah. um or people filming it you know so they kind of and comedy's different from music obviously where some fans pay to see the hits but right. it, if you're not surprised, those laughs are not as big, and you yeah, can't it's true. I, I
1: also think some of the, um, there are comedians that lend themselves to certain sort of like if you're just a joke teller. And I, by the way, mm-hmm. I've got no problem with any type of comedy if it makes people laugh. That's all that matters to me. I don't care yeah. if you're playing a guitar. I don't care if you're juggling. I don't care if you're just you know a straight up joke teller or a storyteller. I right. don't care. To me, yeah. the end result should be laughter, and that's the only thing that matters. So, But there are different styles, as you know. So like if there's a guy like a Stephen Wright who goes up there and just does jokes, 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 I feel like if you've seen that once, you don't want to see it again. You already know it, especially if it's short. Right. But if it's a story because everyone says like oh you had to be there and they can't quite tell the story like the original guy can and sometimes stories change and evolve and you remember all oh, this thing happened too and I, so a story can live longer as a bit than just a straight up joke can um so in a weird way, I'm happy about that
0: Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, me
1: because yeah. I'm kind of a joke, a storyteller. And, and, and I wish I was better at writing jokes. I find that harder than – and I have more respect for the guys who can do that. I think it's a, a skill, a good skill to have, and I just – I'm more of a story guy. So luckily for me, before the internet, I've been able to – there are like three stories I have that if I don't tell them – Sometimes people walk away upset. They're like, "Why didn't you tell this the one about your dad in the pool?" I'm like, "It's been out there for 20 years. You've already yeah, right. seen it." And they'll <laughs> go, "Well, I brought my friend who's never seen it, and they they wanted to see it." So I've had people upset ah. about that as well. But that's I think it's because it's more of a, st- a story that builds, and you know, there's physical aspects to it that they want to see, and it's not just a joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting perspective on that, and. Um, When you kind of have the game change, you know, out out from under you as it kind of happened to all of us a little bit, probably around 2000, I don't know, when was it that changed? So you you kind of have to do social media first in order to do stand-up. It was probably like five, seven years ago. Yeah, it's not that old. I mean, yeah,
1: it's social. I mean, gosh, I remember, you know, MySpace. But that wasn't really – yeah, I'm trying to think. What was the – who was the first comedian that actually got big on social media before television? Do you can you think of who that might be? Well,
0: I think Mark Marin had a lot of shows and stuff, but he was kind of like bubbling on the surface. He had maybe like a few things pick up here and there, but then his podcast took him into the podcast. stratosphere. Yeah. And that might've been it, the podcasting thing. Did you pick up your podcast um, like as a way of saying, yeah. I, I'm super passionate about the podcasting or was it as initially as a way to like get ticket sales and stuff? It's
1: really, I felt like, I've started and stopped like five or six different podcasts over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the one that, I, I do two right now. So I do mm-hmm. one called Country-ish. And I'm coming to you from that studio where I shoot country-ish, and that's just me and my friends uh, in my hometown. They're not famous. I got some interns that just live here and do nothing. They're not even. They just, they just want to help out. And we have segments on that one. And I've got one called Heffern and Reap with comedian John Heffern. And he and I have started and stopped this podcast (laughs) probably five or six, seven times. We get frustrated. We don't know what we're doing. We stop. We start. And you know. So I feel like I never was passionate about podcasting. I felt like it was a necessary thing. Like if you're serious about being a comedian, then at some point you have to have a podcast. Um, but now I love it because my, yeah. whole, my whole life has changed. Because when I moved back to North Carolina, I was living in L.A. 18 years, and then my um, – there's a lot of things that happen at once so about four years ago i came back and since i've been back i've been more into it i feel like when i left la i gotta do more i gotta do something and so i got really motivated to to work harder on the podcasting side of things but i mean the whole reason i came back you know i was missing my family the industry changed where to where you didn't really have to be there. I'm already kind of established. I've, I've had managers, agents, all of it. I've done commercials, sitcoms, movies, and I, 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 there are people in LA who know me. I, I've already got my foot in the door, so I don't really have to showcase. And uh, the, some of the parts I got, I was already in a hotel room. I was on the road, and I just cracked open my laptop and recorded myself. Yeah. And sent it in. So I'm like, why am I here? And I and I was missing my family, and then and then my dad had a stroke. Now he's paralyzed on his left side. My mom's never lived by herself. And so I thought this was the perfect time, you know, come back home. And then and then COVID happens. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: I know. And then, and then COVID, no one
1: has to do it. COVID is another good reason why. Like I got to do something all the time or I'm going to go crazy. So I wish I would have been as serious as I am now about podcasting like you know, what, ten years ago when the first time we did it. But yeah. I mean the original one was me and John Heffron and we called it the last podcasting because we were both winners of Last Comic Standing and we just get together and shoot the shit. We didn't know what we're doing, you know. We were on Red Band's network for a minute too with Joe Rogan and stuff.
0: Yeah. But yeah, we didn't yeah.
1: we didn't know what we had. We just, you know, it was dumb.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well it's all in It's all in retrospect, too, because, you know, these things pop up and pop out of favor, you know, all the people who really invested in their MySpace page, you know, that's sort of a indicative of that, you know, it comes and goes. And so it's hard to know what, you know, if you don't have a super big passion for it in the moment. It's tough to yeah you know push through it and the but.
1: technical side of it too is like something like I never you know one of the reasons I got into comedy was so I didn't have to do anything else and so I don't <laughs> right. I, I don't want to learn how to do all this stuff I and having to right. figure it out
0: that's like another skill um, I know I know it's it's amazing because like now to be a and I don't think it's just comedy I think now to be like a good comedian or even like a therapist or whatever Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's like you got to learn all these social media tools to get yourself out there so yeah and have being forced to kind of get into it does that make you like it more over time
1: it it makes me appreciate those who are good at it you know yeah yeah um uh, it makes me feel bad that i'm not that good at it because yeah. i think I, I know i'm funny i've been I've, I've been able to have a career for over 20 some years yeah i course. mean the stand-up's always been the constant like i have yep. built relationships in these clubs all over the country for a long time so that's good it's just staying up there and and then when the the game changed like we you were saying that part frustrates me, definitely. So I, I don't like having to figure it out, but I do appreciate those who can. And that's why I'm like, you know, I got these social media guys that try to help me out. Like, I'm willing to pay uh, yeah. to figure it out because my Facebook page, I just started getting serious about the Facebook side of it. My Twitter's not great. Instagram's slowly growing. YouTube, I ignored YouTube for a long time. Right. But I just hired these guys called Honest Fox, and oh, they yeah. they work with a lot of uh, comedians,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: Leanne Morgan. Actually. Leanne,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: I where I got. Her. I was watching Leanne, who I've known for a long time, and I was happy to see like she just kept popping up on my Facebook page. I'm like, wow, how is this happening? You know. And so I just talked to her, and she goes, "Well, I hired this company. I mean, and now she's she is taking off like a rocket, which you know, deservedly so." Yeah. But I feel like you know I, I I'm there as well, so why I'm gonna jump on that same train? So I hired them as well, but it's it's a process, you know. It it takes it takes a minute for the algorithm to kick in or something. I don't
0: right. Know. Well, I mean, you have like because you've been doing this for so long, you have such a huge library of uh, jokes, you know, and and bits and everything that that now really the game is you have the content, which I still think is always king, you know, you yeah. got to have good content to start with. It can't just be a social media thing, but then they just repackage it for all these different formats. And then, right. it, you know, that's really all it is. It's just repackaging at yeah. that point. So that's kind of nice that, you know, the hard part's over to a certain <laughs> yeah. degree. You know?
1: Yeah. And then it's now paying for itself because in the beginning, you know, they, they're not cheap, Right. And so I was like, whew, all right, how long do I, how long am I going to give myself, you know, using these guys? At some point I'm going to go broke if I, if I right. don't make any money from it. But now, right. you know, i I just got this big check from, from Facebook Yeah, and I'm like, Oh, this is great. So now it pays for itself. Um, which is great. So I'm hoping to see more of that, but the YouTube, like I, I did a special called the ginger beard man, uh, that's on Amazon uh-huh. prime yeah. And, man, the story with that special. So I was with Levity um, Management. Yeah. And they asked me if I wanted to do an hour special. It was going to be filmed in Chicago. Um, and I, I was thinking, I don't know if I have the material ready for that, but I've got old stuff, which has never been shot. So maybe we could stick a bunch of crap together. And, and we did it. And I didn't like it at first, but over, over the time, everyone who's seen it goes, it's actually really good because it's a toned-down me. I've been kind of over the top for a long time. And so this is more of a toned-down version. Um, the material's solid. It's been road tested. It just was never yeah. filmed before. Right. And so it, it, it's fine, but then it sat on a shelf for a long time. Like, no one bought it. And then, like... Um, this company Nacelle bought it and they bought and they sold it to another company. Like it went like it changed ownership four different times. And now finally it's on Amazon prime and it it does fine. But I, when I try to put it on my YouTube, it gets flagged because I don't own it. So I can't monetize myself. I can't monetize my own content because of the deal I made with levity uh, of these four other companies. So, and that part on YouTube is kind of screwed, but on Facebook it makes money. I don't, maybe they haven't caught on the Facebook channel yet. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't
0: that funny? It's like the Wild West in, in this whole right. Uh, situation.
1: Right. At some point they're going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And I'll lose yeah. that
1: money. I'm sure I'll have to reshoot it and do it on my own. Yeah.
0: Right. And I'll it, just write it, new it, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's another thing. Like, when it comes to writing new stuff, I, I didn't find um, my time in L.A. to be super inspiring for that. I kind of like coming back home and like being more, um, you know, just in the mix of things like where I grew up. Do you find it easier to write back home? Yeah,
1: I was distracted when I lived in L.A. Uh, um, a lot happened at once when I got out there. I was on a sitcom and I bought this townhouse, and I stopped really focusing on stand-up because I'm like, well, dude, I made it. I'm on a sitcom. This right. is great. So I stopped doing stand-up, and then that kind of that got canceled in two seasons. I was like, shit, I just bought this house. And then uh, the, the, well, the Dodge commercials was another thing. It, it, it kept me away from stand-up. So mm-hmm. when I got to L.A., stand-up was always there. I was a comedy store guy, but you know, you don't really headline. You just sort of do 15 minutes at the most here and there. A headline on the road, but yeah. to answer your question, yeah, I was distracted because well, I was married, so I had to worry about the wife and all that stuff. You know, yeah. that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just the the, the acting side was taken off, so I was more focused on trying to hone my acting skills. So I didn't really focus. I didn't have a thing. I didn't have a a group of guys to sit down and write with, and, you know, I didn't have that. So I would write on the road when I would get a gig. I would just go off on the road. So, yes, when I came home, I was less distracted in a weird way. I was more inspired because all these things have these new, you know, negative things, but they're new things to talk about. You know, in a weird way, it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. You know, right. yes, it's a tragedy. My dad had a stroke, but I got another 13 minutes out of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that, isn't that the weirdest thing about being a comedian? Yeah. You're like, nothing can ever be that bad because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tragedy is comedy. That Did is your so dad true. hear the bit?
1: Yeah, no, I remember, like, even sitting in the hospital as this was happening, me—, me this other brain is going like, well, you know, remember this, this is kind of funny. (laughs) Like I'll tell you the antidote, right? So like my dad is now in a skilled nursing facility and he's Mm -hmm. paralyzed on his left side. He suffered a massive stroke, a lot of brain damage, but my dad's funny and he likes to mess with people. And so I know, I can just, I know when he's messing with someone and he's not, but they don't. And they don't know if it's like, that's the brain damage or if that's him. And sometimes I don't know. That's how good he is.
0: Now, does he, has he seen uh, your bit, your 13 minutes on no. him having a joke or anything? No, he hasn't. No, it he was. can't.
1: He can't do a lot with his good hands. So he doesn't. You know, if he wants to see something online, I have to physically hold it up and show it to him. So luckily, that hasn't happened.
0: <laughs> do you worry if if he would see it?
1: Not really. No. <laughs> No, yeah. not really. Yeah. I mean, he might have questions. My dad's my dad's funny and so he appreciates funny people. He's very proud of me. Yeah. Um yeah. But there's only been one time where he's called me up and said, Hey, maybe don't do this one anymore. You know? Oh like, yeah, he's, what very, was that joke? he's very like uh you know, he he doesn't want to tell me what to do because he knows that'll make me want to do it more. So he won't right. he won't say, Don't <laughs> do this. He'll say like, you right. know, could you maybe do something else. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a joke I had about my uncle, which was an uncle by marriage, by the way, but still they would hang out in the same circles and it was uncomfortable. And so my right. dad was the manager of a good year for a long time. And so when I graduated from high school, before I went off to college, I did two years at a community college in our town. And he made me work at the shop changing tires and oil and that kind of stuff. And my uncle mm-hmm. worked in the shop, too. My, my uncle was more of a blue-collar guy. My dad was the more of a white-collar manager kind of a guy. And my uncle was in the shop doing the physical labor, and I had to be out there with him. And he's kind of like a – my uncle's kind of like an idiot savant, just heavy on the idiot part, a little lighter <laughs> the savant. Yeah. And he was trying to teach me how to change brakes. And so I, in this joke, I call him an idiot savant. Ah, uh, okay. And that was bugging him. And so my dad called me up and said, can you maybe not you know, call your uncle an idiot on national television anymore? <laughs> I'm like, I said savant. <laughs> i was saying he's got a smart side and a dumb side. But the yeah. joke was, that this true story, by the way. He was pulling off a brake drum, and inside of these old brake drums, there's asbestos dust in there, a lot of the old oh, stuff. yeah. And so he's trying to teach me how to change brakes, and he pulls off this brake drum, and the asbestos dust flies out. And he looked at me with a cigarette and said, you better get back, I will give you cancer. And he wasn't trying to be funny. (laughs) He wasn't trying to be funny. He was uh, trying to warn me, like blowing the asbestos like that with a cigarette. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I had to tell that story because it was a a, a funny, weird moment that happened. But in the joke, I said, idiot savant, and that pissed him off. So I don't do that and one anymore except for now. Again,
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when you, when you kind of do all this and you're thinking about inspiration material, do you like to go back in time a lot or are you kind of always like on the ball of like what's happening right now? Do you have sort of like a notes app that you're filling up at all times? And can you turn your brain off ever from it?
1: Sometimes I'll turn it off just accidentally, but it's, you know, it kind of always is thinking like at some point when you do this for a long time, your brain, it's just always coming up with or thinking of the funny side of stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if I really turn it off. I don't, I don't purposely turn it off, but sometimes maybe it takes a break, but I do have the notes app. Well, like I said, with the stroke and with COVID, now, now I live with my mom. Like it's weird. I, I'm I'm 50 years old, and my roommate is my mother. You know, <laughs> that's I'm, a great bit. Right I'm there. back in yeah. the same house <laughs> I grew up in. We watch TV together. That's that's my roommate. You know, we have yeah. duties and stuff, and so that is the newer chunk. You know, there's always something else that's gonna you know pop up that I feel like I have to talk about, and I try to bring it up on stage in the first. I used to come on stage by dancing. I used to be called the Hickory Dance Machine. And so I'd go on stage because I noticed at the time that was my life. I'd go out to nightclubs and hang out with my friends, and I I was a good dancer, and that's kind of – I liked doing it, but there was always this one douchebag who was too serious about it, so I kind of made fun of that guy. But I was making fun of dancing by dancing, so that was always my easy icebreaker. Like, you know when you go on stage, you need to laugh within the first – I don't know, minute at least. You got to get something right right away, and so I, I had that to rely on. But as I got older, it looked weird. I'm too old to be up there dancing around anymore. So now my my what what I like doing is trying to come up with something new in the very beginning. To, as an icebreaker joke to sort of get into the newer stuff, which is weird. I should probably put it in the middle, yeah. and, and I kind of do that sometimes. But in the beginning, I like to do something new or what's going on in that room right now. Like, you, there's a club in um, Richmond, Virginia that just opened up. Well, it just got re um, it just got remodeled, and so now their their backdrop. It's a funny bone in Richmond, Virginia. I don't know if you've ever been yeah. there, but they I have
0: done
1: that one, no. it's been around forever, but they just did a whole remodel you know most most backdrops is brick wall or whatever it's pretty boring, but yeah, so if i I find something in the room to kind of make fun of that's kind of like not that's not a real bit. But, yeah. So it gives the, uh, like, oh, wow, he's just making this up. And I kind of am. But I'll sit back and watch the other comedians and figure out what what is odd about this group tonight. What is different about tonight that's will never be repeated? I'll, I see a guy with a weird hat, or maybe some lady's got a weird laugh. But this club, their backdrop was this, w- this steel beam that went like, it made like an X behind you. And behind that was a red curtain. And to me, it looked like kind of like a Dixie flag, you know, like an old, with the 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 X on it and the stars. I'm like, this is probably not the best place to have the Confederate flag. (laughs) (laughs) Richmond, Virginia, all the history that's going on here.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, Should have thought about a better background. Yeah, so
1: so I like doing shit like that within the first, I don't know, three minutes to let people know like, oh, yeah, you're seeing new stuff. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. what I'll do about half, like, halfway in, I'll say, like, any questions? Because I like to open it up. I like to try and do a lot of improv, which is something that I've, I got better at as time went on. And so what I, what I find is in, in asking them any questions, what do y'all want to talk about? Someone will will inevitably yell out they want to see the pool bit, you know. So it's not like I'm forcing it on them. It's like, will you yeah. ask for this?
0: yeah 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 well and it's nice because you get like sort of whatever they say you get fuel throughout the show for a callback if it comes up or whatever yeah it's kind of fun yeah and then um there's there's do you ever find that like uh you you just it can improvise a whole bit on stage and you're like, oh, that that actually could make it into the the deal. Yeah, Is that part of your creative process or are you just a very big pen on paper kind of guy?
1: No, on stage, I uh, I wish I was better at the pen on paper. Uh, yeah. I'm slowly getting better at it again now that I'm back home and I'm, I feel like I can sit down and actually focus on it because I also have this segment on my podcast called, it's, it's called Small Town News, and we find weird stories that happen in small towns. And I'll, I'll take this story and um, I will call into a local uh, radio show down. It's pretty popular in the South called John Boy and Billy. Yeah. And I'll call it and re- give them a report from the country-ish podcast, Small Town News. But when I do that, I feel like I got to punch it up and put jokes in it. So I've gotten better at that now that I I have this to do, like a chore, a job I've given myself. But yeah. traditionally, I'm better at writing on stage in the moment as something is happening like um, I have a, I used to – an old bit, um, I would make fun of uh, sound effects that a lot of NFL teams have, like uh, the Carolina Panthers have this stupid growl that they would yeah, play yeah. after every first down and it would get annoying. And then I'd take that and go like, well, what about this team? I never heard this over here. I never heard a dolphin do it. You know, it's pretty, yeah. pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then I remember one day a comedian said – what if you did the Cowboys and then shoot some guns and then walk over and sniff cocaine off the stool? <laughs> no, that's right. And so it took the joke to a whole other level. Yeah,
0: so yeah, I, yeah.
1: I, but sometimes I do that on stage in the moment. It's like, as I'm doing a bit that I've done a hundred times, something happens that's different and it takes it to another place. So I don't know. I kind of do both. Um, as I've gotten into it more, I, I kind of like doing it on stage in the moment, you know?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But, but, but that takes too long. I should be better at writing it.
0: Right, right. Yeah. excuse the interruption everyone but just want to take a second to thank the amazing sponsors of the cripes cast first and foremost i want to thank jolly good soda they're the title sponsor um and you know if you know me you know i love the Jolly Good floater in my brandy Old Fashioned. I'm actually sitting here in Hawaii right now thinking I could use an Old Fashioned. Quite, You know, I could use an Old Fashioned yesterday, honestly, uh, when I lost that key. But uh, now, unfortunately, you can't get Jolly Good in Hawaii. What you can do, though, is order it off JollyGoodSoda.com and experience the Sour Power floater in your Old Fashioned wherever you are in the world. So check them out, JollyGoodSoda.com. I also wanna thank Duluth Trading Company. Yesterday when I, 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 I'm gonna keep doing every ad read as it relates to yesterday. Yesterday when I was sitting there with nothing but a swimming suit and flippers and and a dream of somehow finding that key in the bottom of the drink, uh, I was rocking my Duluth Trading Company swimsuit. And it has a very fantastic place where you can uh, strap a key on. And, uh, and it works. Um, whether your brain works or not, that's a different story altogether. But love the Duluth Trading Company. Check them out, DuluthTrading.com, for all of your outdoor recreational clothing needs. And finally, folks, if you are looking to get dad something for Father's Day, check out cripescast.com. Click on the Merch section. We've got the Midwest Survival Guide. When you buy a copy of the Midwest Survival Guide between now and Father's Day, uh, you're getting a free oak koozie signed by uh, me. <laughs> Who else would be signed by, a child? And uh, we're doing it while supplies last which I never thought I, I, I'd say out, out loud, but uh, I signed like 300 or so of them. Um, I think we've we've sold a fair amount, so you may have to hustle on over there to do that, but I think we've got about 100 left. So check it out, Krebscast.com, and uh, just click on the merch section, that'll, you'll find the book, and yeah, you know, get Dad something that he really likes. If not the book, the koozie, okay? Keep his beers cold while he's drinking the book. And the book does get better with cold beers. I tell you that right now. And if you want other stuff for Father's Day, we got that too. We got like Oak shirts and you know, koozies. We got cribbage boards, Grandpa Bob's tackle box, the whole deal. Check it out, cripescast.com. Click on the Merch section. All right, time to get back to my conversation with John Reed. What is the weirdest show you've ever done?
1: The weirdest show? I've ever done. A um, couple are popping up in my brain. One of the, well, Richmond, Virginia, a long time ago, before this club was built, I was doing a feature set. This would have been like 97 or something. Yeah. And uh, you could smoke back then. So a lot of people oh, were yeah. smoking. It was a smoky room. And um, I don't know. I was killing. I was like 15 minutes. Everything was working. And I thought... And this was the first time I improv'd, where the first time where I felt comfortable enough to stop the set and take a moment and, and just see what happens, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, man, this is fun. You guys are smart. Who's got a cigarette? And then, like, five cigarettes come flying on stage. I'm like, <laughs> oh, all right. And I pick one up. And I'm like, who's got a lighter? And some guy hands me a Zippo. You know those Zippo lighters? Uh-huh. One of those old-school ones, yeah. And I've seen guys do tricks with them and that kind of stuff. And I thought, like, oh, let me... I started trying to improv a bit about the people who do tricks with the Zippos or whatever. And so I'm up there yeah. and I'm trying to light it off my leg. Like I'm hitting it on my leg. Yeah. Up and up. Yeah. yeah. And it like, and I was yeah, sweaty
0: down, down with the thing. I put, yeah,
1: you can do yeah. it like you could hit it. And I don't know. I've seen like Andrew dice clay and these guys do weird shit with the Zippos. I didn't know where I was going with this, but I was in the moment and it flew out of my hand and it hit a girl right around the forehead and her head oh. popped back and it was loud. And the whole crowd oh went from God. like, this guy's the best thing I've ever seen to like, oh, my God, he just assaulted that girl. You With know, Zippo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, are you OK? And then like for the next 15 minutes, it, nothing worked. And I, I felt sorry for this girl. I was, at one point, I offered to buy her a drink. And she's like, I'm not even 21. Stop talking to me. This is embarrassing. Like, she, she told me to just stop talking to her. And then, and then it was downhill after that. It was yeah. the hardest 15 minutes I've ever done. And it went from, like, up here to, like, whoo. It
0: was tough. <laughs> do, you, do you do a lot of uh, dates in the Midwest? Not a whole lot. Now, uh, me
1: and John, John is from up there. He's a Detroit guy. We're good friends.
0: So we've done some shows together, but not as much as I would like. Yeah. And have you been to, because you're coming to Milwaukee, you're playing the improv, right? Yes.
1: I've been to Milwaukee. When I won uh, Last Comic Standing, we did a whole thing up there. Um, But it's been a minute, but uh, I've actually went to a baseball game there once. That was really cool. Oh, Miller Park? Yeah.
0: The roof that closes and opens, that one?
1: I believe so. It was a new park at the time, but its yeah. it's been so long, I can't even really tell you what it was. But I love it up there. Every time I go up there, like I love the state of Wisconsin. Um, yeah. It's one of my favorite places. The people, I really feel like we have a lot in common uh, because we're, we're known for being nice. Like there's like yep. a, you know, the Minnesota nice Midwest nice. Then yep. there's the Southern nice. Southern hospitality. Yeah. We both have uh, accents that get picked on, you know, like we get yep. picked on the way we talk. Um, the only really difference is the weather and the way we sound.
0: Yeah. And that, that, uh, that changes some things quite a bit. You know, you, you uh, uh, it, you, you sort of live in the uh humidity down there and up here we uh live in frigid <laughs> yeah. temperatures until June you know and it's it's it gives you a different sensibility I think but the I feel like the undertones are there yeah a hundred percent. Do you uh, do you have anything in Milwaukee that you do? you know you've been there uh, a couple times do you have anything you're looking for? It's
1: been to? so long I don't even know man. Um, I'm excited to uh, get out and about. What would you suggest I do in Milwaukee I'm gonna be up there for like three days.
0: Well- are you well that's actually not uh i mean you've gotta you could go to another brewers game yep. see how that whole situation has changed uh you gotta try um small a bunch of small town bars and just sort yes. of uh get your taste of pickled eggs yes. you know uh, pickled gizzards pickled pickles <laughs> a lot of pickled stuff uh there's plenty of beer here obviously yeah uh pull tabs you know try your hand at that you know what is that um, Pull tabs is like when you go to the bar and you uh, you put a buck in the machine or uh, 20 bucks and 20 pull tabs, and then it's like little gambling games. You pop oh. them open, and it's like scratchers kind of. Oh, okay. Except you pull, pull them. You pull the tab, and you see if you won. So oh, yeah. That's, uh, that could be a whole other revenue source for you when you're up
1: here. You know, <laughs> right. you know, I'll give it a whirl, man. I um, Yeah, like cheese curds I love. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would well, be there. there's no shortage of those. Yeah. Yeah. No, you I You know what I did yesterday. Uh, what? I, I, my, my cousin had a, or um not my cousin, my sister graduated. My cousin also graduated, but my sister graduated. I had everyone over to my place after. And um, I had some cheese curds in the fridge and I uh, threw them out. You know, I'm not a great host. So I just put the bag out and my family went to town on those cheese curds. Yeah. <laughs> I come back out and I'm looking at these cheese curds. I'm like, Guys, these are moldy, you know? (laughs) And it's like black mold caked on the bottom ones. And they all just looked at me. I mean, this was like a chemical warfare wow. amount of mold, you know, that I just served them. So um, that, but that's a, that is a sacrilege that I allowed cheese curds to get moldy. So <laughs> when you come here and eat those cheese curds, just. Are
1: you, just do you have any, I know you're blowing up as well, my friend, and, and that's great. Uh, do you have any plans to come to North Carolina?
0: Yeah. Looking we've been looking at a rally Durham date, but if you have other uh, suggestions for clubs to go places to check out, let, let me know okay. what club would you recommend the
1: charlotte comedy zone is the the closest one here that one's been around forever um so in in the south i don't know if you can see behind me have you ever had sun drop
0: oh yes yes okay i I didn't know if
1: it's not up there though
0: it's that that yeah we we've got jolly good up here so that's probably the sun drop competitor you know okay jolly good which yeah, jolly good. A Wisconsin soda, but it's kind of like, you know, they, they've got... You can make an old-fashioned out of
1: yeah. those. This is a—it's a citrus thing. It's lemon, lime, and orange. And it's got more caffeine than Mountain Dew, and it's got more sugar than Mountain Dew. <laughs> this is like... This is kind of like our the original Red Bull, but it was it's been around forever. Like Dell Del Earnhardt, this is how he won many many NASCAR races. He would drink this oh, really? and then put it in his in his gas tank
0: as well. <laughs> yeah, it's that's good. hilarious. Well, wash down some cheese curds with those suckers. <laughs> well. uh, this is awesome, man. I'm excited for you to come up and uh, and do the thing. I'm hoping to check out your show. Are you gonna um, be around? What what day is it on? So people know yeah that's uh, thank what I'm you find out right now.
1: I, you know what was just added as well is on the uh, June the 9th I'm doing the Zanies in Rosemont, the Chicago area.
0: Oh yeah, right that great club I played.
1: That yeah, club. I've been there too. it's been a minute and then I'm going on the uh, 10th and 11th and twelfth'll be at the Milwaukee Improv Brookfield, Wisconsin. that's 10, yep. 11 and 12.
0: Yeah, that's right outside Milwaukee. No, I should be there. I would love to come see it. Come
1: hang out my friend. Yeah. If you want to get on stage, awesome, don't, man. don't I, kill them too hard. You know, take it easy on me. <laughs> like, I know you probably yeah. have a lot of local I references. Would. I'm sitting in the back like, shit,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll I'll come up with a few, a few that oh, winners for you on stage with that. You know what I I'll, do? I'll do that. A little of that homework for you.
1: I will do this. And I'm, I'll ask you now if you, if you have time real quick. So, yeah, so yeah. what I do is when I go to a, uh, when I'm on the road, I always ask the, the staff or someone there, like, "What is the one town outside of the town we're in that is known for being rednecky?" And I throw uh, that into a joke yeah. that I have, and it always does good. So, so what would that
0: be in yeah. Milwaukee? What's the one town that? Well i think you look in milwaukee and you want to look at people's uh you know preconceived notions this isn't totally true but west Dallas is the one you're going to want to put in for that joke <laughs> okay. you know that is west and west even the people living in west Dallas would be like uh yeah you know that's probably yeah. an accurate thing that's know? funny that's and the they joke pride themselves on it yes you know? so yeah.
1: i'll tell you real quick so the joke is if you're proud of where you're from and this is people do this in my hometown If you're proud of where you're from, your head kind of goes sideways. You're like, where are you from? They're like, I'm from Hickory, man. What do you think? You're better than me? And their head goes this (laughs) way. It's always side to side. But if you're ashamed of where you're from, your head kind of goes up and down like you're admitting defeat. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) So I throw in a local (laughs) reference there. And everyone goes... Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's great. I can't wait to see you when you come to Milwaukee um, 10th, 11th, 12th. At yes, the Improv, sir. You said, yep, yep. Awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to see you. And, uh, you know, watch out for your deer on your way up here. Okay? You got it, brother. Thank <laughs> you, man. All right. Take care. Be good. And that's it for this week's episode of the Cast. Huge thanks to John for coming on the show. Make sure you check him out at the Milwaukee Improv, June 11th and June 12th. You can find his other tour dates, johnreap.com. Follow him on Instagram, at johnreap. And you can check out his podcast, Countryish, wherever you get your podcast from. Speaking of podcasts, uh, feel free to leave us a comment, rate the show, give us suggestions for, for guests, whatever you got, uh, look forward to that. And, um, and yeah, you can follow CripesCast on all socials. That's at CripesCast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, check it out and keep her moving and watch for deer and everyone. Make sure you tell your folks I says hi. And if you go snorkeling in the Pacific Ocean, uh, don't be an idiot. Okay, real good. Keep her moving. Bye-bye. So roll out
1: the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down just keep her moving it's on wisconsin
0: the badgers say it's the old wisconsin jubilee you know sometimes when you're ice fishing you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done no you gotta keep her moving